Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Androids, let's face it. Nobody chooses to play from the rough. And thanks to our great new friends at Manscaped, maybe our listeners might never have to again because the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has arrived and I can tell you with all confidence, it's been a game changer for me these past few weeks. The ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Let's go through the performance package. It includes the weed whacker, up the nose, in the ears, increasingly relevant for people like me as the, uh, the years start to pile on. Never used something like the crop preserver before, but I'll never go back. A ball deodorant straight out of the shower, dry yourself off, whack a little bit of this on the undercarriage, last the full day. Outstanding. The crop reviver, it's more of a, maybe you need a midday refresh. You've gone for a, a run at lunchtime. You've had a gym session. Maybe you've just been hauling boxes in a bloody humid environment. A little bit of a spritz on the undercarriage, fresh as a daisy moving forward. And then finally, but most importantly, Drew's, the best piece of kit in this Performance Pack 4.0, it is the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. Have a listen to this. Music to my ears. This bit of kit, my friend, will transform your situation below the waist from looking like the second cut of rough at the US Open to a neatly trimmed fairway. Now, even better, Manscaped have thrown in two free gifts to the performance package. They are, have a look at these, the Manscaped boxes, outstanding for those of you never have enough pairs and of course the shed travel bag you can neatly tuck everything away and take it on the road with you now you can join over four million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer just for our listeners 20 percent off free worldwide shipping with the code t that's t double e that's 20 percent off free shipping all over the world at manscaped.com and use the code T, T-double-E. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for this incredibly important job with Manscaped. Trust me, fellas, your balls will thank you. Our great friends at Puma Golf are proud to introduce the new Ignite Articulate Golf Shoe, taking cleated innovation to the next level thanks to an all-new articulating outsole, midsole, and upper that is designed to flex with your foot and deliver the highest level of support. Built to meet the rigorous quality, aesthetic, and performance demands of the world's best golfers, the Ignite Articulate combines Puma's tour validated technologies in a lightweight, extremely comfortable package with a modern athletic silhouette that can handle any swing from any lie in any season. Make your move now. The Ignite Articulate are available in-store and online in Australia, starting from just $250. For more information, visit cobragolf.com.au. This is the 19th T podcast, Kieran Marsh and Nathan Drudy back with you for an incredibly special week, Drudes. Often I say not just any other week, but that wouldn't be suffice for what we are going to talk about this evening because for the first time in 29 years, we had an Australian lift the Claret Jug, not at any Open Championship, the 150th Open Championship back at the home of golf. I'm going to hit you right between the eyes, one off the top. Is it the most significant major victory by an Australian, certainly in recent memory, but it gives you pause for thought. Is it the most significant major victory by an Australian? 
Yeah, really good question. Uh, welcome to you, first and foremost, from uh, from from France, I believe. Uh, unless things have changed oui. on your end, we oui, we oui. uh, bonjour. We oui, we oui. uh, uh, welcome in. Uh, that's a great question, KM, and thanks for hitting me with that thirty seconds in and giving me zero time to prepare. Um, Oh, look, I think it's certainly up there. Scotty's win at the Masters, I think, in terms of being the first Australian to win a green jacket is um, is obviously enormous. So I'll probably still side with there, even though you know where I land on the Masters Open uh, scale. What about for yourself? Where, what do you think? I, I mean, it's, it's enormous in terms of the context of his career and, and the sport for Aussies. Yeah, I'm often conscious, Drew, of, of recency bias. And, you know, I completely agree with you, Reece, Scotty's victory in 2013. I think particularly with how many uh, near misses we've had in that tournament. Uh, and that was, it was a long-suffering drought for Australians at Augusta National. Obviously, we've experienced some wonderful success in the past at the Open Championship. You know, the Shark won it twice, Ian Baker Finch, Peter Thompson won it five times, you know. So uh, we've got such a rich history at the Open Championship. I still think for a variety of different reasons, uh, I think, you know, such a monumental um, occasion, the 150th. Ironically, um, uh, we had an Australian win the Centennial 100 Open yes. Championship, Kel Nagel, uh, I read today. So there's a wonderful symmetry in that. An Australian wins the 100th and an Aussie wins the 150th. To be back at the home of golf. And I think, and we'll probably pick this apart a little bit further, but for me, it's also, I don't know that an Australian has won in a circumstance where it was so obvious that not a large portion, not the majority, almost all of the golfing world was pulling for someone else. Mm. Yeah. And, and to do that and produce what he produced on the back nine, for me, it is, if it is not the best, then it's 1B because I, I'm not sure we've seen an Australian you know, meet a task and meet a question on such a significant platform like Smithy did in a very, very long time in a golfing uh, respect. He, uh, it, it was truly phenomenal. It, it really was. And, and I think even, I, I don't know, how did, how did you feel? Obviously, I tipped Rory, um, you know, went without saying that I clearly wanted an Australian to win. You had Cam Smith in you as your want to win. Like, I guess... Um, I don't feel like, and I'll put my hand up here, it wasn't as clear cut as like Cam and then Rory for me. I, I was genuinely torn and I wonder how, how you felt about that as well. Obviously, you know, we're both very comfortably, you know, are captains of the, of the boat of Rory McIlroy. Yeah, for me, I was probably less torn than you. Uh, I'm, I'm, and I, this is not in any way, shape, or form to say that you aren't, but I'm so, so firmly invested in Cameron Smith. Um, I think, uh, you know, for me, he, he, alongside Minji Lee, he holds the torch for Australian golf with the greatest respect to guys uh, who are his elders, you know, Jason Day, Adam Scott, Mark Leishman. For mine, certainly now comfortably, they have graduated beyond being the most relevant names in Australian golf. Um, I think, and we've spoke about it in chapter and verse, I think it's also his nature. Uh, there's something about that. There's something about him being so unapologetically himself, um, so unapolog unapologetically Australian, um, irrespective of, you know, the traditions and the stuffiness of golf at times. I, I, I'm so in on him. And 
Yes, absolutely. Um, along with 99.9% of the golfing world, seemingly, it would have been wonderful to see Rory win. It absolutely would have been. And maybe I would have been a little less torn if Rory had stumbled or Rory had choked or Rory had thrown it away. And we'll get into the numbers earlier, but he did not do that. This is not a case of Rory throwing away a tournament. This is a case of an eight under 64, the lowest ever fourth round in Open Championship history, the lowest ever score to par in Open Championship history, and five birdies on a back nine to come home in 30 to rip the tournament away with both hands. You don't see that often. And to have it be one of us, one of us, one of us, it was, it was so special, so, so special. It was. And, and look, like I don't – I just want to make it very clear for the record that I was backing Cam today. Like I'd just like to make that very, very clear. But it was uh, it, it was difficult for me because like uh, the, the fairy tale of, of Rory winning um, – and uh, yeah, the fairy tale of Rory winning and what that would have meant to the sport as a whole is far greater than Cam Smith winning it for the sport, right? Cam Smith winning it for Australia, like it is the be all and end all for us, and that's and it's unbelievable that he's gone out and done what he what he did in exactly what you said, went out and. In so many times, and this is this was my knock on him pre-tournament. It's been my knock on him for 12 months was that he makes poor decisions. And on Saturday, he did. He made poor decisions and he nearly threw the tournament away. And today, he didn't seem to do that, right? 17 was, was one of the all-time great saves. Um, just that that 12-footer for par. But even just, I think, I kind of, I don't know. Maybe Cam Smith six months ago wouldn't have putted that ball around the road hole bunker and, and tried to go over it. I, I don't know. I'm hypothesizing here, but I feel like he's matured a lot in the last six months. What I, I do want to ask you is, does this, uh, is he the player of the year? PGA Tools player of the year now. Cause you've got, I'll give you, I'll give you yeah, some stats, sure. the, the stats. So you've obviously got Cam who's won century tournament of champions. He's won the players and he's won the open championship. Uh, and then you've yep. got Scotty Scheffler who won Phoenix. He's won the Masters. He won the WGC match play, and he won the Arnold Palmer. So four wins against three. I, I don't know. I'm really the, – the jury's out. Like the Aussie in me says that he's the player of the year, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, and I mean, you look at the significance of tournaments, well, you don't take nothing away from Scheffler. He's won the Masters. Um, they are the two most significant majors of the year comfortably. But then Cam's – one of other Cam's wins is the players. Correct. Um, which there, there are a few better fields in golf than what turns up at players. So, look, I mean, the PGA Tour um, aren't a controversial bunch. They think, I think they will defer to volume and to the most amount of wins, but I think it's made it a difficult conversation. I, I ultimately think they'll give it to Scheffler, but it's certainly made it a difficult conversation. Um, just to, yeah, touch on your point, so I've seen a lot of things written about 17 in the past 24 hours. I've seen people call it um, uh, the best part of his career, and that could be either of the parts, to be fair. I've seen someone call it the best pass save in the history of golf. I think <laughs> it might have been our, our good friend Daniel Garb. Um, so there's been a lot of – there's been a, a, a fair bit of call. hyperbole around <laughs> – I think that there's been a fair bit of hyperbole around 17. But uh, you look at that, and, I mean, he wins the tournament by one, one shot, right? Um Obviously, he goes, you know, that one shot is 18. It's that birdie that he finishes with. Um, 
But I think 17 may have been the most important hole he played in all 72. Um, I, I read I read a tweet um, from Kyle Porter, who I often quote. He's one of my favourite minds in golf. And he was saying that um, he was obviously... Um, with the remainder of the golfing uh, media fraternity all in on Rory and was following that. And one of his colleagues um, uh, was watching the Smith group and he asked him what's he done on 17 and, and his colleague said, oh, he's bogeyed it. He goes, oh, is he finished? He goes, no, no, but he can't possibly par it from where he's hit his tee shot. Um, so he hadn't even watched him and, and was just going off where he was, um, you know, that position in front of the bunker. Uh, it defied logic. And I don't, I don't know which part was better. I don't know if it was the lag um, from the fairway or if it was the absolute stones on the man to, to drain that par part. But he, yeah, he was phenomenal. I mean, you look at the numbers and this will be the first of the few that we throw at you, but just simply strokes gained putting in the final round. Uh, Rory McIlroy lost uh, point, uh, sorry, negative 2.18. Uh, Cameron Smith gained positive 3.10. That's the tournament. Yeah. And, and Rory didn't putt poorly. Um, he just didn't drain any that he needed to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, his putting this week was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Led the field 2.82 strokes gained. Uh, I believe I'm not scrolling that far down. No one else could possibly beat him there. But, two, yeah, 2.82 strokes gained. Uh, there wasn't really a part of his game where I, I felt that it was like, oh, I'm not sure where it's going to where it's going to fall down for him. It all seems so strong. And, and to your point in the preview, like he scrapped, he had to scrap at times. And, and even on 17, you could argue that that was a scrap, right? Like he, that ball could have so easily ended in the bunker from that putt. Like he had to hit it at mm. the perfect weight and the perfect speed and, and the right line. And it could have easily ended up in the bunker and he, and he managed to scrap his way around it. So yeah, I, his putter was unbelievable. And I think, yeah, if you look at round three, you know, that was, that was the part. I mean, he wasn't great in, in, in the entirety, but he lost 1.6 shots on the field putting yesterday. And, uh, you know, unsurprisingly guys who flew up the leaderboard, like Tommy Fleetwood and, and Victor Hovland were, were, uh, were draining him from everywhere. But uh, I think in its entirety, I, I struggle to remember a more dominant nine hole, stint than that back nine than what he put together just in terms of where the tournament was at it was i'm i'm really trying to rack my brain as to to something that i can genuinely remember maybe tiger like 97 masters but you know i was four years old so i I don't remember that i'm thinking in recent memory i can't think of anything and for him to be you know to start the day four shots back and and then just slowly chip away and then all of a sudden it just kind of seemed like I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it was that switch that we talk about with Cam a lot. Is he goes fuck it? I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for it, and I may as well lose by six shots, or I might win the tournament. And maybe that's what happened on the back nine. I, I don't know. We'll we'll never know. But um, yeah, that. I don't, how do how do you sum that back nine up? It was I can't say anything else other than dominant. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we often see like particularly on Sundays and majors, guys have silly back nines. Um, you only have to go as far back as the Masters and, and what Rory did on the back nine at Augusta National this year True. to kind of put himself in the conversation without really ever being a genuine challenger. And, and I think that's the difference. Often you'll see it with guys who 
they'll start the day, you know, however many, six, seven back, and they'll end up finishing in the top 10 or the top five because they've had a stupid back nine. But they play like completely pressureless golf because of where they are. And that's generally what leads to a performance like that. This is entirely different. You know, the tournament was precariously placed. This was four shots back to start the day. He hits three birdies on the front nine. You know, he's creeping up, but you, you get the sense maybe at the turn that he needed one or two more to be genuinely in the conversation. And then he rattles off four in a row. And all of a sudden, we've turned from, is this a missed opportunity? And are we ruining 13 on Saturday? To Christ, he's comfortably the best player on the course at the moment. And if he holds it together, he might just do this. Ultimately, he goes on, pars the next three and then birdies the last. And I thought it was telling, I, I don't know um, what you thought, but I'm not sure we've seen, maybe bar the President's Cup, even then he was relatively subdued, like he's getting the crowd going, but I'm not sure we've seen more emotion from him than when he when he landed the birdie part on 18. Mm. And he did the fist pump, he looked over at Pinner, and I think he knew, like I think he knew then, maybe not that he was going to win, but probably a feeling of, I suppose, calm within himself to know, I, I could not have done any more. Like yeah. I absolutely played my balls off today and I have given myself every fucking chance. And and I think the context of that, you know, four months after being in the position and throwing it away at Augusta on 12, um, knowing that he'd, he'd completed, he'd executed for 72 holes and shit, if I lose this, it will only be because there's genuinely a person who deserves it more than me. Um, and that emotion yeah. I thought was telling, you know, that, that was, uh, I thought it was really nice to see and ultimately it was rewarded, but made that back nine, 30 coming home, um, notoriously the most difficult nine at that course. Um, um, you know, searching for a win in, in that tournament. And he, yeah, he looked like he was playing a different course. And I think that will live long in the memory for the many Australian golf fans, many golf friends broadly to see. Because, uh, yeah, you, you, as I said before, Rory didn't throw this away. It was ripped out of his hands by someone who played maybe, um, you know, statistically the best round we've seen there on a Sunday and, and maybe maybe on balance the best round we've ever seen there. Cam was, he was the schoolyard bully. He went out and just took it from Rory, took it right out of his hands, right? Um, we got we did get some comments that I, I want to I want to flag here as well because this is, um, we, we got some comments, we got some questions that I think, uh, at Hooch Blues on Instagram said, uh, not a question, but Cam Smith might be the best golfer to ever exist. Love it. God, let's, <laughs> let's go there. Um, Tommy Ryan asked, player of the year, all but assured. We've kind of touched on that. DJ Leroy, uh, putt on 17 was the best of his career. I don't know which one he's referring to, if it was the 12-footer the or the one up there, but they were both equally as good. We'll get to the live stuff in a little bit. Um, Cameron Young who we'll get to uh, best back at a major ever from date M study. I mean, yeah, like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to put into words how good it was, I think. Um, and the whole time, and I, I don't know whether this is just scar tissue from watching cam maybe throw away a few events this year, but like, I always felt that Rory was going to just, he was just going to nail one. There was just going to be one that would just, it'd just be a dagger in the heart and it didn't come. And it was, I, I think that says, more to Rory than it does to Cam in the sense that Rory didn't actually go out and get it. But um, yeah, to your point, I think the emotion was something that we haven't really seen. Obviously it was emotional after the players. Um, 
but I think probably more so because his family was there and and he was you know he got a bit choked up in his in his speech uh, post uh, trophy presentation today, but then to your earlier point about five minutes ago, he was just unapologetically Australian. It was, you know, I'm going to see how many beers I can fit in there. You know, I reckon it's two and I'm going to have 20 claret jugs. And I'll tell you what, he just posted a video about 10 minutes ago. I don't know if you've seen it yet, KM, but Jesus, he looks like he had about 30 claret jugs. The eyes are a bit bloodshot sitting in the, uh, sitting in the airport. I think he's on his way back to the U S but like, I, it's just, uh, I, um, I don't know. I I just felt this immense sense of pride and I can't really put my hand, my, my finger on why that is like, we don't know the guy, you know, maybe it's because we've waxed lyrical about him for the best part of two years. And maybe we've sort of seen that growth in two years. And it's just, it's, it's an awesome moment for Australian golf to, to a, not only win a major, but you know, in my opinion, it's the best major. It's the 150th open. It was at St. Andrews. He overcame, you know, the Cinderella story of Rory and just went and took it to your point. And, and it all just added up to this massive flood of pride that when I saw him hit that putt on 18 and, you know, he then goes two ahead. I thought, well, look, like it's it's very unlikely from here. And, and even if it did go into a playoff, I would have backed Cam over Rory every day yeah. of the week. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. And I think... You know, uh, we joked about it before. Is he the best golfer? Um, was it was it Hooch Blues? I think uh, yeah. might, might have said that. Um, we smile. I, I think he. I think he is absolutely primed to take a run at the best Australian male golfer we've ever had. I don't and disagree. I don't, I don't say that lightly. I don't say that lightly. Now, I, it's going to take an awful lot to say the best Australian golfer because, in my mind, I'm not sure we'll see another person dethrone Kari Webb from that yeah. title, but I think he is absolutely primed to take a run at becoming the best Australian male golfer we've ever seen. Um, and I think, you know, I spoke a lot about it in the in the preview show about the want for him, and, and a lot of it was spurned by the, the disappointment out of Augusta, and a lot of it was spurned by, like, what we see in front of our eyes is a major winner. We know it is. All that's left to be done is actually go and do it. And there's a part of me, I don't know if you feel the same way, maybe reflecting in the last 24 hours, there's actually a part of me that is is glad this was the first. I would have absolutely loved to see him win at Augusta. But this is, I think, so much more fitting for his trajectory and what he's done with his game in the past two years to step up and take a moment like that. Now, I think he'll absolutely win a Masters between now and the end of his career. I've got no idea and loves that course. But, yeah, in hindsight, I'm really glad this was the first and it wasn't four months ago um, because I think it's it's so much more appropriate for him and I think such a, such a fitting stepping stone for where he might go. Um, and just I'll probably, not, not finally on him, but the only other thing I want to say around maybe the moment one thing that I'm really, to your point, proud to see is what he's done in the last 12 hours, like stepping off the course and the amount of people that you see, you know, whether it was the other Aussie players that stayed on, you know, Jimmy Papadatos, Jason Scrivener, all over their social media, them celebrating. Um, guests that we've had on this show, Benny Everill, a long-suffering Australian who covers the tour week in, week out, Evan Priest, uh, much the same, both 
drinking from the claret jug in some pub in St Andrews last night. So this is a guy who wins a tournament of such significance, but it's never really been about him. The first thing he does is go and share that with everyone else. Like he doesn't bunker down last night and invite a few exclusive people into a room to celebrate with him. He's literally passing the claret jug around to journalists who followed his career and letting them drink from it. Like to share that moment, I think speaks volumes of him as a person. Uh, and I, I, I mean, obviously, I didn't enjoy watching that as much as I enjoyed, you know, seeing him win the tournament. But that was really nice to see. Like it wasn't just his win, and I think he recognised that the amount of goodwill around him. Like to see the last twelve hours and the amount of people who've been able to share that joy with him has been awesome. Yeah, so typically Australian, I think. I think it's just so typically Cam, so typically Australian. And, you know, he was for the, though his team was the first group of people that he thanked in his speech post-game uh, post as well, which was really nice to see. I, I agree with you on your, on, on your point that he, he's primed for a really good run now. And um, I guess I just temper my expectations a little, <laughs> a little at times on this because I remember someone like Jason Day, right, went on that incredible run. 18, 18 month run um, and then sort of just completely dropped off. I'd be, I just want Cam to be sustainable now. And, you know, um, he's won three times this year and and I'd hate for him to regress and just have no wins next year and no wins the year after. And it's kind of like a flash in the pan and I'd rather it just kind of be that, that significant trajectory, but all in all, I, I absolutely could not be prouder of him. And um, yeah, just so, so chuffed that we've got another major winner on the on the uh in the world of golf so what else have you got on cam do you want to where do you want to go well i just i was just going to say i think um i think his game is very sustainable yeah i think um health is the most important ability as is the saying Mm -hmm. and touch wood he seems to really take care of himself um and i think if he can like Really, if we're talking about any true deficiency in his game, it's his accuracy off the tee. Mm-hmm. And if he can, like, he had space at St Andrews this week, plenty of space. And and the, the driver was good. Like, the driver was pretty good this week. Um, but, you know, he was in the game because he had a little bit of space. And he's also in the game because there is absolutely, and I'm convinced of this now, there's no one better in the game inside 100 feet, whether that's actually executing a shot from 100 feet or whether that's scrapping inside 30 feet because he's made a, he's made a mistake. There's literally either end, whether intentional or unintentional, there's no one better inside 100 feet in the game. Mm. So straightens up a little bit off the tee. He's going to put himself in positions far more consistently. So it, it is a sustainable model. There's no doubt about that. It'll be about picking and choosing you know, his areas. And I think just continuing to just, I suppose, refine the decision-making as well. Like made some, we said it the other night, it's a course that will compound poor decisions. He only made one in my mind across four days. Mm. Um, and no, that's, you know, that's it, it put him four, four shots back to start the final day. So, you know, um, absolutely don't underestimate uh, Pinner, his caddy's role this week. He deserves a huge pat on the back because that that might be the hardest course to caddy on in, in the world. Um, you've got to do an awful lot of work. So between himself and Pinner, they've done an enormous job this week. And that's it. You refine the decision-making process, straighten up a little bit off the tee. He, mate, he, yeah, he shouldn't be afraid of any course or any player. No, and and I've always, I probably haven't really sort of publicly, you know, pushed the baton with him either. But 
up until now, I've I've always just been a little worried that maybe when the conditions are tough, he he goes to water a little bit, and and um, we kind of saw that. You know, I think he missed a cut at the U.S. Open. Uh, I think if I'm doing my memory correctly, and and so I was I was actually quite. I was sort of worried about him this week in, in terms of it was going to be firm and fast. And I was like, you know, everyone thinks that people who come from Australia are guns at playing on firm and fast conditions. And it's like, well, you know, Cam didn't really grow up in that part of the world. So, um, you know, his win, you know, he, he was, he was outstanding at Augusta in, in 2020, that back end, that November one in really soft conditions. He was outstanding at TPC Sawgrass really soft conditions, Hawaii, really soft again. And I was, I was starting to get worried. There was a trend there and and I'm so glad that he's bucked that and, and really told me to sit on it and swivel and, you know, and just, and yeah, I, I just keep coming back to that word proud because that's, that's what I am. So what do you, where, what would you else would you like to say on camp? Do you, do we want to address the live stuff now or what do we want to, where do you want to put that? Why? Just maybe three more things for me before um, before we do, and they're just brief. So, moves to number two in the world off the back of that. Um, Huge. Obviously, career high ranking. Uh, we now have Australians number two in the world in um, across both yeah. genders. So, Minji Lee sits number two in the world in the women's, and Cam Smith number two in the world in the men's. Um, obviously, a five-year exemption, which probably becomes relevant in the conversation we're about to have um, yes. off the back of, of, of this victory. And I think, you know, you want to talk about a sense of pride. So, I, I spoke about the symmetry um, uh, Australian Kel Nagel wins the Centenary Open in 1960 and now Aussie wins the 150th. Uh, I saw this from our good friend Tony Weebeck earlier today. Uh, years in which Australia has had both male and female major winners. 1981, David Graham and Jan Stevenson. 2006, Kari Webb and Jeff Ogilvie. 2022, Minji uh, Lee and Cameron Smith. It's only happened three times that we've had a male and female major winner in the same year in Australian golf history. Um and that should not be overlooked, but that's awesome. We've, we've experienced uh, a great deal of success on the international stage in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. And it's really kind of culminated, I think, in in having a male and um, female major winner in the same year for only the third time in our history. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Liv, now, I really was hoping that we were going to get away with the week of not having to talk about this shit and we could just enjoy the open championship for what it was, but, um, can I, can I just preface this? Yeah, um, go for it. I know we've you, got a couple of questions. Give the intro, give give the intro part. Cause people are just asking about live and, and whatever. So give the context as well. I know we've got a couple of questions. Um, and we need, we obviously need to speak about it. We should address it here because it would be pointless moving on from Smithy and then coming back to it. Um, but I just want to preface this by saying we're going into this now before even talking about Rory McIlroy which I think is a sad indictment on where the game is at at present. <laughs> a good point. Um, I think, don't get me wrong, um, I've been in presses like the one that he had afterwards and I understand why the question's asked. doesn't mean I think it's piss poor. Um, and I thought he handled it pretty well. Um, but, yeah, obviously the conjecture, his name has been spruced probably more earnestly in the last two to three months. Um, I, it's never been one that's been, like, long-rumoured. It seems to have popped up more recently. And now I think people are of the opinion that with the five-year exemption that he gains off the back of this tournament, um, that he's got his ticket booked to majors for the next five years. That's the primary concern outside of OWGR points. Doesn't give him the coverage to go. Now, he's obviously asked about it, as I said. 
his response was, I've just won a British Open and that's what you're asking me about. I think that's pretty poor. Journalist came back and said, albeit, can you answer the question? Um, and this was probably the part, the vague open-ended answer um, that leaves it open to conjecture and probably the very reason why half the responses and questions we got tonight were related to this. And he said, look, mate, my team around me takes care of those decisions. I'm just here to win golf tournaments. So certainly wasn't a no mm. um, and it wasn't a yes. It was it was a non-committal answer, to be honest. Um, I mean, uh, we can read the questions. I'm, I'm absolutely open to that. My answer will be the same. Uh, and I, I, it's interesting. I was talking to our good mate uh, Forty today about this. Uh, Forty from uh, Cobra Puma, uh, and I said it is it is entirely unfair. But he sits within a, a a category of player that I hold to a higher standard, and that is not fair on him, and it is not fair on Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, probably Justin Thomas, yeah, and maybe yeah. John Rahm. Mm-hmm. But it is it is the reality. I hold them to a higher standard, and I would not begrudge him if he does. Uh, but that that might sting almost um, almost the most for me. Maybe outside of Spieth, if Spieth went, I'd be I, I would not begrudge him, but I would be certainly disappointed. If yeah, I think um, look if he if he is going, I hope he hasn't signed already because his contract's just about tripled in in the space of twenty four really? hours. So I uh, hope he hasn't signed. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. To, to your first point, I don't think he handled it that well. Like that answer was he could he. I feel like, look, you and I have both been in that situation before, and we've we've both dealt with athletes in the heat of the moment and, and whatever. And um, I don't know. I just I felt like that fueled the fire more. And he he could have just been like, mate, look. I'm just going to deal with all that stuff later, like whatever. But to give an answer that your team makes the decisions on where you play, like uh, that, uh, that I'm not buying. That's bullshit. Like if that was anyone else, like we'd be sitting here probably jumping down their throats. But so I'm, I'm going to hold Cam to the same, same level of accountability as if that was, I don't know, anyone else. Right. So I thought that was frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was fucking stupid timing to ask the question, but I get why those that question was asked um essentially all we all we got was you know hope the live rumors are false does cam lose a fair bit of respect if he goes to live i mean i I agree with you i think it i think it hurts probably most out of out of anything for for me um probably more so than than spieth or i I don't know it's 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 a funny one but i i really hope it's it's not true. Um, and there was, you know, a lot of, a lot of rumor, obviously around Adam Scott and Mark Leishman and, and essentially, uh, uh, Benny Everill asked a question in the presser, you know, when will we see you play next? And he said the FedEx cup playoffs. So I think in terms of timelines, I think we're looking at this happening post president's cup, which is slowly turning into a fucking yeah. circus, right? Because the U S teams a joke. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really hope that it's not true, but I have this, I, I don't know about you, but I have this really sort of sick feeling in my stomach that he's on the way. Where, where do you, what do you oh, think? I mean, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure you could be left with any other feeling based on the answer. Yeah. Um, because there was, there was a platform and an opportunity to categorically deny it. Um, and then that wasn't taken. And, and that 
could be a combination of I really don't feel like addressing this right now through to I can't say anything that's going to look disingenuous in four or five months. Mm. So I, we don't know because we don't, we're not privy to the inner workings and um, he absolutely deserves to have 24 to 48 hours to bask in yeah. comfortably the best achievement of his career and one of the better achievements we've seen by an individual golfer in recent memory deserves that. Um, you know, and, and a lot of reports out of the ground is guys were getting pretty pissed off by the end of the week about getting the questions constantly, whether it was the guys who've gone or whether the, it was the guys who haven't, um, just constantly getting the questions. Unfortunately, nothing you can do about that because it's going to be it's going to be a story until the last person has picked a side. Um, and you know, who knows? Like fast forward twelve months, this might all be normalised, and maybe both sides have come to an agreement, and we're less like you. You pick a side, and we demonise you if you pick the wrong one. I don't know. Maybe that's where we get. Um, yeah, it would it would hurt. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and I say all of that, and I also look at it and go, like, who are we to say you shouldn't take hundred million dollars? Like, I know, but we've said uh, that we, we've uh, said that about the the twenty guys that have gone. So I think we've got to hold yeah, it to well, the same, yeah, I mean, same it's accountability. Funny, we've constantly said that um, about the guys, you know, who aren't getting the hundred million dollar joining fees, the ones who have an opportunity to earn. It's great for them. Yeah, but yeah, as I said, I like I don't know, I, I can't begrudge him. I'm, I've never been. I've never sat in his shoes. I've never been offered that level of money. I've never had to make that decision or consideration. Uh, all I can say is that I, I would be disappointed, but that doesn't and shouldn't mean shit to Cam Smith. So, I think uh, what if let's just hypothetical, right? If if those three do actually end up playing uh, and, and going to live, it will be very interesting to see going back to the conversation that we had last week about how that affects the Australian tour, right? Because the whole premise of moving the Oz PGA and the Oz open to the time slot where it's going to be. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to have this Oceania event. That's also going to come down. Like, like, I'm sorry, like as much as I fucking love Jason day and cam Davis, they're not pulling the same crowds as Scotty leash and, and cam. Right. So Ultimately, it's going to put our, our tour in a very, very difficult position as soon as some of these big name Aussie big name Aussie players start jumping ship in it, and it will happen um, because it's going to put pressure. It's going to put pressure on their relationship with the DP World Tour, who the the Oz PGA and and the Vic Open and the the Australian Open are co-sanctioned by, who they've been steadfast against against Live. So it's it's going to put immense pressure on it and. Um, look, I, I, you know what? I genuinely feel sorry for for our Aussie PGA guys because they they're caught in between a rock and a hard place at the moment. Because how do they like? What do they do? Like they've got to pick a side at some well, point. Yeah, increasingly it becomes the only question. Hmm. Like it, it will become the only question. What what are you going to do with Australian players who have pledged their fealty, as John Rahm would say, um, to to live golf? What? Hmm. How are you going to address that? Yeah. Uh, because to your point, it will. Um, if the stance remains as firm as it has been to date from the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour, it will absolutely place pressure on that relationship, which is a critical relationship for the tour. Very. You can also bet your bottom dollar. We said it last week. We we spoke about PGA Tour spoke about bringing an event to the Asian or Oceania region, and we said like 
there's no guarantee that comes to Australia in the first year. In fact, it'll be we'll be hard pressed against the economic appeal of going somewhere like Japan or South Korea mm-hmm. uh, comparatively. You can bet your bottom dollar that if our leading players from Australia defect, there's no way that event's coming to Australia. Okay. So it has ripple effects there as well. Um, Maybe it may not. So yeah, look, it, it, even in that five year rotation, it may not come here. Not just in the first year. Yeah, because if they can't play, what like if the PGA Tour can't have an event in Australia with those names in it, why would they come? Agreed. One hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's it, look, it's fascinating, and increasingly, I think um, you can't like you can't can't bite off your nose to spite your face. I think increasingly where this is going is some level of compromise because the PGA Tour will not win this war. They do not have the the reserves. They don't have the cash. They're going to have no one left playing on the tour. It's going to be like Rory, JT, John Rahm, and some college graduates. And, so, and to be honest, uh, mate, like I think some of those will, will go as soon as some of the uh, – like, you know, I know – you 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 said to me on Twitter the other day that you'd be very surprised if Spieth went. Like I wouldn't. Like it wouldn't surprise me at all because at at the end of the day, the the rhetoric is like I want to play where the best players are playing, and that's been the line that JT and all of these guys have have dished out. But when twenty of the top thirty are playing and live, like all of a sudden that argument becomes completely pointless. Um. So yeah, I I, I honestly I think we are. Um, like I'd call the I'd call the priest in. I reckon the PGA Tour is being read its last rights as we speak, and post FedEx Cup, like we get the crematorium ready because it's fucked. The tour is fucked at the moment, mate. Like honestly, like I I don't I I genuinely don't think I'm overstating that. They have no answer to anything that it's doing, even if they keep sort of the handful of players that we we just mentioned. So should we move on from Liv? I was going to say, do you think we've appropriately uh, addressed the questions and comments that we got? Because I'm yeah. rather happy to move on. Yeah, I just I don't want to talk. To, I don't want to talk about it too much more. But before, can we please just one one more quick one before we get to Rory? Can we talk about Cameron Young just before we get to Rory because he's finished? Second. I was just about to say, like, if 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 we're going to remain consistent, we should run down the leaderboard. Yeah, and not please. Skip, Let's do um, it. What I believe to what I believe to be the best performance on debut at um, in the Open Championship since like the early two thousands. Maybe even longer. I read a stat today. Um, best best performance on debut at the Open Championship for like a stupid amount of time. Mm. He, uh, yeah, here you go. Cameron Young's second place finish is the best by a player at St Andrews in his debut at the Open since 1964 um, when Tony Lima won it. Yeah, right. Uh, Cameron Young's performances across the board in majors this year have been phenomenal um mm-hmm. like that guy for a guy playing his first year on the tour uh hits the piss out of the ball putts well um drains an eagle on 18 to really Unreal. make things interesting like, we talk about the stones of camp smith like this is one of the stones of that drive the green and drop the part put yourself in the conversation cameron young love it um, and if it wasn't for that yeah, bogey on one <laughs> well yeah i mean I, I actually think you know like obviously the whole Literally, the world was watching the group behind. Um, but 64 and 65 out of the two Camerons, like that was, like they were golfing, yeah, absolutely golfing on the on on a Sunday at St Andrews in an Open Championship. That was an awesome group. 
awesome group. It was. Um, and, and yeah, he's, yeah, he's great. I, uh, I was just going to say, like, to, to the point of, it's, it's funny, like, I don't want to go back to the live stuff, but, like, it's funny at the position of where golf is. Because I don't think, like, the competitiveness of golf has ever been stronger as what I can, I'm, you know, going back in the last handful of years, right? You look at our four major winners that we had this year. We had Scotty Scheffler, who uh, has won four events. Cam Smith, who's won three. So between them, they've won seven of the last 11 events, which is absurd. Uh, JT, mm. who's a generational talent, and Matt Fitzpatrick. Like the game is in an unbelievably strong competitive place. And then you've got a guy like Cam Young, who's just gone out and balled out at majors this year. Like the, the, yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, I, I really like him. I think he's got a massive future ahead of him. I think he's going to, he, his swing is awesome. I love the, like the little pause at the top of the, um, at the top, very uh, Sung Jae-ish, and then just hits the piss out of the ball. And yeah, you know, another one out of the Wake Forest University factory, him and Will Zalatoris. Mm. Eh? Mm. Very, very good. Actually, you made a good point there before. I think it's the first time, this is another one that I read, I didn't write down. It's the first time in a silly amount of time that all four winners of majors have been under the age of 30 in a year. First time ever. Um, is it the first time ever? I believe so. Yeah, I did read that before. Right. I'm pretty sure well, it was. I read it on yes. Golf Digest before. Yeah. First time in a very long time because it never happened before. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's a wonderful illustration of A, the depth and B, the journey that we're about to go on for the next 10 years because yeah. we've got so many guys. And, um, yeah, what, what did you, what you had? I mean, this is a great point. Four guys under 30, none of whom were Colin Murakawa, who's already won two. Uh, you know, that's like, true. That's, got the guys who didn't win that are under 30, Hovland threatened, yes. he's one of the best players on his day under the age of 30. So, like that, that age group coming through, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. You also, had Bryson, Spieth, and Cantlay all finish in the top 10 as well. So, very competitive. Um, we've put it off for long enough. Should we talk about Rory? Yeah, well, I'll let, I'll let you start. I don't know. Please. Please start because well, I don't know I don't know where to start. <laughs> so I think I don't know, maybe I'm 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 I wouldn't say content, but maybe I'm more okay with this than most because like not sure. People will look back and they'll see three under on Sunday and say it was, you know, he didn't do enough. And I think that's only because they'll look at it compared to eight under and lose the context of, like, guys, that is literally, Cam Smith literally hit the best Sunday round in the history of the Open Championship to win. So don't compare Rory to the single best round that's ever been on a final day in the Open Championship. Have a look at it objectively and say he hit three under, he didn't hit a bogey, he hit 18 greens in regulation. In fact, since the beginning of recorded stats, he is the first person in history to be a 54-hole leader, hit 18 greens in regulation, and not win the tournament. Yep. And ultimately, it was his putting. And again, not bad. Do you know how many putts he hit, Drew, on Sunday? Please, tell me. 36. He two-putted every green. Mm. And we're talking about a couple that missed by inches. Yeah. So he, like... 
he did not lose this tournament. Cameron Smith won this tournament. Yeah. And I think history should look upon it more kindly than maybe it will because you cannot, I mean, for as much as I wax lyrical about Cam winning it despite the fact everyone was on was on another player, imagine trying to be that player and go on and win it. No one will understand, maybe other than Tiger, what he carried from the moment he stepped off the 18th on Saturday. No one, no one will understand what that feels like to try and carry that and then go on and win. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, it's, it, I think we'd be sitting here having a very different conversation had Cameron Young won this tournament, right? Like, uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I just think, uh, I might be crying. Yeah, well, like I just think, <laughs> I don't know. I just almost. Uh, I think the golfing world is so lucky that Cam Smith won this tournament. He's so lovable that everyone's just kind of like, it's, it's almost a free pass. It's not a free pass for Rory because he's getting, he's getting a lot of shit, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not pissed off. I'm like, uh, if anything, I'm actually really fucking buoyed by what I saw. Like just he, uh, in, in general, his performances in the major majors this year have been outstanding and, and this was no different. And, and there's always been that one round that Rory's like, I, uh, you know, never puts himself in contention early on and he has to do so much work in the last three rounds and that's kind of gone away in the last couple of majors and, and he's been outstanding. So yeah, you look at, again, I was just going through the shot tracker there and there is, there are some that literally miss by inches, as you said, and it's, unfortunately that's the game, right? Like that's the game of golf. It is, it is a game of inches and um, for him to, um, and, and another reason that I'm buoyed, like for him to just deal with everything that he's had to deal with in the past three months and essentially be the, the fucking messiah for the league or not the league, the, the, you know, the sport really like no he's one. Car- he's carried the tour on his back for the past. Yeah. Three well, he's carried the, the, he's carried the sport on his back for the last two months. Like it, it's, it's very rare that like, um, I feel like it's very rare that players have a lot more weight in what they say than administrators and, you know, the work that he's done and, and Jay Monahan owes him a slab of beer and some for the the work that he's gone into bat for the PGA in the last, last two months. And like, I know that he, he says that it doesn't weigh on him, but like, I just, I, just flat out refuse to believe that like that must have just been so emotionally draining over the past two months. And then to always have this like goal of winning the open championship and like, I I just can't put myself in the stress and then to literally walk 18 holes or if we can backtrack even further and we'll we'll get to it, the, the tiger walk, but like there was this passing of the baton essentially on Friday afternoon that it was like, you know, it's your tour now, bud. And so, you know, that moment's happened. He's in contention. He's up by four shots. Like no one's, it's basically a, a coronation that it's going to happen for Rory today. And it didn't like, I, I don't know if the pressure mm. got to him, like, or, or what it was, but man, like I, I'm not, I'm not disappointed. I'm not frustrated. I'm not, I'm not any of that with Rory this week. Like I'm actually, again, like I'm actually really proud of what he went out and and did in the face of what has been a really, really fucking hard two, three months for him. Thanks thanks for coming to my Ted talk. 
I think his level of perspective after reticent to use the P word, but after the round was admirable. You know, mm -hmm. he, he said, I will have other opportunities to win open championships. I'll have other opportunities to win majors. It's yeah, it's disappointing, but I think he actually verbatim said you have a very deserving winner standing with the claret jug on the 18th green right now. Mm -hmm. um, and that's there's not a lot of guys who'd have the wherewithal to be able to stand there after that and and speak with such clarity um, and such authority in there. He he's had a phenomenal year, and, and I think like he almost has seemed so free um, since that back nine at Augusta that it's actually quite remarkable. I, I want to read you a couple of stats because so obviously taking out and bigger than just not winning the Open Championship. To walk out of this year without a major is remarkable, given the way he's played. So let me run you through a few stats um, to try and illustrate that point uh, a, a little more succinctly. Aggregate scores in the majors of golfers who've made all four cuts in 2022. Rory's 29 under. The next closest is Will Zalatoris, eight shots back at 21 under. Fitz at 16 under. JT at three under. Everyone else who's made all four cuts, aggregate scores are over par. Ram over par, Hideki over par, Neiman over par, Reed over par, Hatton over par. He's eight shots better than the next person, Will Zalatoris, and he didn't win a major this year. And neither did Will Zalatoris. That's insane, Drew. Yeah, and then you look at things. Then you look at other stats. So, best strokes gained total major seasons without a win since 1995. Ernie Els in 2004 gained 60.22 strokes in majors. McElroy 53.56. He's the second best strokes gained total season in majors in history without a win. Like silly. And then there's one more here. Third player in the last 50 years to finish eighth or better in all four majors and not win one of them. The other two are Ricky Fowler in 2014 and Ben Crenshaw in 1987. Eighth or better in all four majors doesn't win one. Like, cannot demonstrate enough that he has had an awesome year with all of that other shit going on that you've spoken about. An awesome year. And, yes, we didn't get the crowning moment yesterday and I, one of the best tweets i've seen in the last 24 hours is r.i.p to all the stories that didn't make it online <laughs> and into the papers from the press room in st andrews and i thought that was brilliant because can you imagine the amount of copy that was cut unbelievable the stories that would have been written that we never will never get to read what, yes that didn't happen but what, what it would the headlines have been give me the headline um the creative mcelroy magic I don't that's know. what's come to my head a king is crowned. I don't know. Well, it, it did. It did have every. <laughs> it did feel every bit the coronation. To your yeah. point. Um, but yeah, he he hasn't. He didn't lose this. You know, but a, a guy played one of the all-time rounds at a major to rip it out of his hands. And look, I think a major is coming. Um, sure, it would have been wonderful to see it, given the platform and given the moment. For him to win it at St Andrews, absolutely, but it wasn't to be, and, and he shouldn't be 
too disappointed given the golf he's played this year. He's just run into some bad luck. He's cut with a handful of guys who've caught lightning in a bottle on a day and, and beat them. Agreed. Agreed. I don't really have too much more to say on Rory, so I don't know if you've got anything else, but like... Other than rolling out from the bunker, was it on 10 on Saturday? That was maybe Sick. one of the moments of... Maybe one of the moments of the entire tournament. True. Sure shot, shot of the week. We haven't, done, we haven't done that for a while. What? Yeah, Cam on 17. Wow. Pretty um, hard to go past. Yeah, pretty hard to go past Smithy on 17. But yeah, yeah, that was stupid. That that bunker hole out, stupid. It was. Considering the bunkers at St Andrews, like the mythology and reputation around the bunkers at St Andrews, for him to just go, yeah, no, nah, it's all good. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Unbel- uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was. Do you want to run down the leaderboard a little bit here, or what have you? What What else have you got? Um, or do you want to address some other storylines? Like, what do you What do you want to talk about? Because I'm conscious we've been going for an hour brief- already. <laughs> maybe briefly, we just go down the leaderboard, um, yeah. address the Aussies, and then we can go to some some tips. So, look, I, I probably maybe one or two lines on each person. Fleetwood, excellent, particularly on Sunday, five under. Um, on Sunday, gets into fourteen under. T4 finish alongside Victor Hovland. Tommy Fleetwood, probably the best golf we've seen him play in a long, long time, to be honest. Um, on the flip side, Hovland goes two over on Sunday. Um, you know, he starts in that final group uh, alongside Rory, puts himself in a position to win his first major. And, and yeah, you look down that leaderboard, you have to go a fair way to see another person hit over the par on Sunday. Yeah. Um, it stands out dramatically, yeah, to be honest. And Tommy Fleetwood... Uh, 14 under in three rounds as well because went around in even par in the first round. So that's that's impressive. Very impressive. Uh, T6, our mate Punter Harmon, Brian Harmon, a six under on Sunday, gets into 13 under alongside uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, mm-hmm. three under to get to 13 under. Yeah, uh, I, 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 hope people, I hope people listen to my little tidbit that said Punter Harmon, value. Didn't pick him. Also, but... Punter will be back next year. Because top 10, not otherwise exempt, return. So Punter books his spot for the Open Championship next year. Uh, Bryson, Cantlay and Spieth. Uh, Bryson had a six under on uh, on Sunday to get himself a 12 under and a tie for eight. Awesome goal. Um, and then, really, really good. Yeah, played really well. We, we need to give him as many compliments when he deserves it as we give him <laughs> Wax. Back, backhand. Um, can you, can you uh, elaborate Spieth, on Spieth? Yeah, I mean, look, four under, he gets within, what's he finish? Eight shots back. So, look, it's not excellent. Um, it was the typical speed experience. I'm looking here. What do we go? Round one, well, one under, not where you needed to be given the conditions. Round two, again, three under, probably not quite enough. Round three, four under. Uh, it kind of just felt like he maybe needed an extra one or two shots every round. Mm to be honest, and, and that plays out because he's finished eight shots off the lead. Um, not terrible, but probably never really in with a shout. People kind of buck their heads a bit <laughs> at the start because he's gone, what's he gone to start round four? Par, birdie, birdie, par, birdie, par, birdie. So he's four birdies through the first seven, and everyone was like, oh, my God, <laughs> is it happening? <laughs> um, and, then he, and then he bogeyed the eighth and par the ninth. and yeah, He bogeyed the par five. You can't do that. Jordan cannot cannot do that. That was pretty much curtain. So look, not 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 disappointing, but nothing to write home about. Um, 
and then a bunch of players at T11. Uh, the Thai player, I'm not even going to try. Sadam, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that. Saddam. Um, uh, Abraham answered Dean Burmester and Tyrrell Hatton uh, in a tie for 11. So, look, yeah, really good kind of top 10, top 11 there. Um, I mean, if there's anyone left to play against America, that's a great uh, international <laughs> show out for the International uh, President's Cup team. I'm not sure who we'll be playing against, but... Um, yeah, I was buoyed given the amount of international names for the uh, for the President's Cup. How yeah. about you? Yeah, no, I yeah, I'm I'm bang on board with with all of that. Um, obviously, Abanza won't be playing President's Cup. Uh, neither will Saddam. He won't be playing President's Cup. Yeah, I don't know. Disappointing that they won't be there, but well, not Saddam. I don't even never never heard of him. But uh, a couple of Aussies in the next little little bunch here uh all at t15 lucas herbert anthony quayle and adam scott who finished t15 10 under xander shawflay francesca molinari and and siwoo kim as well so those those three aussies outstanding look i'm going to give tip of the cap um most most notably here to to quayley love just yes called it i you know shouted him out he's been in good form and you know he, he played after opening with with two over par, he played three really really good rounds. So, um, yeah, super pumped for him. You know, Lucas Herbert was a bit up and down, and and Scotty was in contention for a fleeting moment on on Friday, um, and then yeah, sort of didn't really fire on the weekend. I think it was the best performance on debut by an Australian at the Open Championship since the early two thousands. I think you're right. I think you're right. And then um, we had yeah. So- Awesome. awesome. Five hundred on a Sunday is great from Quayley. And yeah, Scotty, really nice moment with Scotty and um and Cam Smith out the back of the scorer's tent. Scotty went and waited for him. Yes. Um, you know, obviously Scotty's had his own difficult moments in this tournament in particular. Um, but now a fellow Australian major winner and it was a really nice moment they shared together at the back, which was great. Minwoo uh top twenty first at nine under and then um, I'm just going to quickly run through the Australians before maybe you want to bounce yeah. back up to a few other names. Um, uh, Scribner and Brad Kennedy both finished at 400 in a tie for 53rd. Uh, and they were the only other Aussies to make the cut. So uh, across the remainder of the field, uh, Matty Griffin missed the cut. He was two over through the first uh, two rounds. Um, and then scrolling down, Leach surprisingly finished at six over. Um Dimi Papadatis, seven over. And then it was t- tough look for Jed. Yeah. Tough old look for our mate. Um, 11 over through the first two rounds. Got a bit humbled by the old course. It's done that to plenty of people, so no shame in that. But I'm sure uh, he'd, be, he'd be a little bit disappointed with that performance um, across the first two rounds. Uh, shout out Will Zalatoris for not finishing inside the top 10 for a change. Finished at T28. Surprising. Was Very surprising. surprising. Uh, John Rahm, who was my tip to not win, finished at T34. And, yeah, I don't know, kind of – I'm surprised he was that low, to be honest. I didn't think he would – obviously, I didn't think he'd win, but I thought he might be a little a little closer to the top of the leaderboard, but probably in line with where he's at in, in terms of form. Never threatened. And, yeah, yeah he's he, – I mean, we're talking about a major winner inside yeah. the last 18 months. Yeah. And 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 through that patch was comfortably the best player in the world. Yeah, definitely hit a bit of a lull. Um, so a bit of work to be done there for for John. Uh, but 
will remain a favourite of this podcast. So we will ride the wave as we do with a few other favourites who go through lulls. We will. Uh, um, who have you got? There, I've, I've got one more. I've got one more. Okay. Um, for me, uh, JT, disappointing. Okay. Um, at four under, given what I think, you know, he's got one of the best arsenals in the entire game and, and one that should set up really well for that course and was flaccid to be honest. Mm. Um, I thought that was pretty disappointing. That was probably my only, my only other one. There's a couple of guys, like local guys I thought underperformed. Robert McIntyre, T34. Yeah. Didn't love that for him. And that was, you know, that was flattered by a four under on Sunday to get himself mm. in a T34 at seven under. Would have expected a bit more from him. Um, Matty Fitz, again, T21. Had some choice words about the setup, which I thought was interesting. Um, so, yeah, probably a couple of local kind of... Um, Goals from the UK, I would have expected a bit more from, but nothing that's jumping out of me. Who's your final one? Uh, so I've got two actually. I lied. Um, Scotty Scheffler, uh, sort of just just slipped away today, two over par, which was interesting. He was look, well, he, he wasn't in contention today, but you know, it was, was disappointing, uh, nonetheless. And my last one, uh, I just want to shout out the low amateur, uh, Italy's Filippo Celli. At five under par, mm. uh, opened with a with two over, um, and then yeah, really good five under, one under, one under, um, for a good battle on the uh, on the low amateur, which was which was really um, really exciting with with Aaron Jarvis as well, who finished at one over. Now I looked at that flag for a long time before I worked out where it was from, yeah. the Cayman Islands, where is it? the Cayman Islands, the tax haven that is the Cayman Islands. Um, I'm going to say, what do mum and dad do? And yeah. where are they getting their money from? Yeah, they're, they're accountants. <laughs> uh, and um, shout out to, to the other amateur um, that was really like genuinely in contention for a brief moment was Barclay Brown um, out of Stanford um, wearing a wicked bucket hat uh, that was camo and then uh, proceeded to fade out quite rapidly. So um, Wasn't he like two shots off the lead yeah, the he first was. round? Yep, he shot four under. <laughs> he shot four under in the first round and two under. So he was six under uh, going into the weekend, and then seventy seven, seventy five. So, but look, he'll uh, he'll enjoy that. So he still beat he still beat players like Sungjae Im and, and and others. So, all right, what do you want to do now? Tips. Yeah, we've kind of covered most of them anyway. I mean, uh, your winner Shane Lowry, we haven't covered. So, do you want to go there? Disappointing to mine. Uh... Finishes 11 shots back, T21 at nine under. Only two under in the final round. Really, even part of start. Mm-hmm. He was he was six shots back and gone from there for me. Um, four under on the second day, probably needed to be six under. And then three under on the third day, again, probably needed to be six or seven under. So a bit like speed, he just he didn't get the start necessary. Mm. Um, had some phenomenal shots. I think it was the... It was one of the rounds. It might have been the third round. I think it was Saturday. He hit back-to-back eagles. Back-to-back hole-out chips for eagles. And right. really whipped the crowd up. Was. It was definitely one of the days. Third round, nine and yeah. ten. On Saturday? Yep. Yeah. So really whipped the crowd into a bit of a frenzy. Anytime a defending, not a defending, but an open, previous open champion does that, it's it's going to get the blood pumping. So I thought maybe we're going, you know, does he stare down the barrel of a like a 64 on Saturday and really put himself in the conversation? No, ejected after those two eagles. So, look, I was on him for a long time. Uh, I was on him from the first major, in fact. 
picked him for the last major off the back of one round in the first major of the year. So, um, are you going to stick by that strategy? (laughs) No, I probably won't um, use the Masters as a future predictor on form for the Open Championship moving forward. Uh, your mm. won't your won't win was Xander. Uh, we've covered off on your want yeah. to win, which was Cam. Um, so give us yes. your thoughts on Xander. I have no thoughts. <laughs> I am, I, I am not at all surprised. This is a guy who was coming in off three wins in a row, who everyone was talking up. Price plummeted leading in, and mm. what's he finished nine, ten shots off the lead. Yeah. Uh, your roughie was Ryan Cox. It's not, it's, not, it's, it's not critical. I want to be really clear. It's not critical. I just don't. I don't think he has it up here. I, I genuinely don't. So I'm not surprised at all. Uh, yeah, and Foxy. Oh, yeah. it's the cut. Yeah. So did my roughie though. <laughs> Max Homer. Yeah. Tough. Tough for Max. Tough for Max. Um. Are there any other questions we haven't covered before we get to maybe a few storylines? No. We've we've. Uh, uh, Clinton Sykes says no one's asked him about his fitness transformation and to Cam Smith. Not really familiar with that, but maybe we'll ask some questions, see what we can find out. Might be a, de- might be a deep dive episode, Cam Smith's fitness journey. All right. What, what storylines, sort of tidbits, what do you got? Like, should we do Tiger first? Should we get that one out of the way? Yeah. Uh, I mean... I don't know how much there is to say. It was we say it now before every time he goes out. Um, savor it, treat it like it might be the last. He went out of his way to say it wasn't going to be the last time before the tournament started. He got specifically asked about retirement, yeah. and that um, that video has subsequently been memed and turned into a variety of other things. It's been excellent. Uh, obviously, you know, disappointing from a score perspective, but. I don't know. Like he obviously got there a long time before, and he played a fair bit of golf. But like, he was hobbling by the time he got to the first round. So there's something in that as well. It's clear this place means an awful lot to him, and not. I mean, this tournament definitely does, but this place. Um, and so I think he either went there with every intention of squeezing as much out of that kind of week as humanly possible, both on and off the course, um, and to see the. To see the response on 18 on Friday, um, there's nothing to say that wouldn't happen, you know, in the States at a tournament. But I don't know, we kind of said it to Jed after him about how he's found the British golf fans because they're just different and they appreciate different things. Um, it was unbelievable, I thought. Yeah. Uh, I, not too many things stop him in his, stop him in his tracks and, and that did. Yeah, it was really nice. And, you know, I... I... I've always kind of thought of Tiger as this robot, you know, like emotionally, he's just this. Because you know, he has been. That's yeah, why you thought about yeah. that way. And, you know, to see him actually tear up a bit on walking down 18. And, and look, you know, that's, that is his last competitive, competitive, competitive round of golf at, at St. Andrews. I mean, I, I think we're all kidding ourselves if we thought there was a genuine chance that he was going to contend this week, right? Um, but yeah, I thought I also want to just pay credit to Max Homer and Matt Fitzpatrick too. Like they 
for them to hang back and allow Tiger to have that moment was was really was really good because I know a lot of people would have got caught up in that moment and not tried to make it about themselves, but just go on their normal journey. Matt, Matty Fitz is a really quick player in terms of walking and stuff, so for them to hang back and just let him have his moment, I thought was was really nice. And yeah, I, I don't think there's too much else else to say. If if as I said before, like if he decided to hang it up, make me very happy. I wouldn't hold it against him at all. And and you know what? I, I really look forward to seeing him at Augusta next year. And I hope that's the next time that we we do see him, if we see him again. Um, I hope he doesn't try and come back and play some of these bullshit events. And, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I th- just thought it was a really nice moment. Yeah, I agree. And I think you'll find that's what, that's what we'll see moving forward now. I think it'll be Augusta. It'll be the Open Championship, depending on where it's played. Um, he'll take it on a case-by-case basis for the other two majors based on location, and he might play in his tournament mm. that he hosts. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's what we're looking at now. It's going to be a very limited program. It'll be a handful of times a year, um, and we should continue to approach it at the risk of sounding like a broken record, as we've said for the last probably 18 months. Sabre it. Because we will never see another player like him. Um, and I think as well, savor the fact that we're getting a different version of him now. Um, and we're all being invited in a little bit more. Mm. And that's probably not something that many people thought would ever happen with him, just based on past experience. Um, and he's turned a corner. He's a lot more vulnerable. Um, I think he's really easing into his role as a statesman of the game. And... Yeah, savour that too. Don't just savour watching him. Savour the version of him that we're getting at the back end of his career. What else you got? Uh, I probably have too much else. I, I just want to say, roll it back. Yeah. Let's let's officially roll the ball back, please. Um, there is well, absolutely no world in which we should lose this tournament at that place every five years. There is not a world in which that should not happen. Mm-hmm. And there were things this week, not even about driving greens. It has ripple effects. I don't know, um, particularly the first few days it was making headlines and it was the full field. But the pace of play, there were guys who played rounds over six hours on the first day. I think Tiger's group spent an hour on 14 on the opening day. Beat me. Like... And the, there is only one reason for that, and that's because guys are in two minds about shit. Do I have, do I have to call you up? Should you play up? And like, that's only because of the distance the ball's being hit. So mm. roll the ball. That Please. cross that crossover section of I think it's seven, eight, nine was also a fucking nightmare as well. But I agree. Look, like in terms of. Um, Look, probably in in terms of uh, on the same lines, like I think that we're really lucky that this was at St Andrews, and, and like a twenty under was at St Andrews because if this was if this happens next year at Royal Liverpool, like people are going to lose their fucking minds, right? Like it's it's almost like St Andrews is is kind of this barrier that it's like oh no no it's it's okay because it is St Andrews, but like. It was. It was. It was a joke. Like that. That course does not hold up to modern standards. Like I don't. 
I love it. I think it's one of the greatest courses in the world, but it doesn't hold up to modern standards. It's, it's as simple as that. You can't argue that it does. And, you know, we, we gave our tips as to what we thought the winning scores were going to be. You said 11. I said between 16 and 17. And we're both fucking wrong. Like there was 16 under mm. yesterday. Um, mm. So I 100% agree with you. We need to make a decision on rolling the ball back and it needs to be done before we go back to St. Andrews because Christ knows what we're going to see in five years time when we, when we go to St. Andrews, some of those par fours were essentially long par threes for these guys. And and particularly given the firmness and the fastness of it, like it's, it's going to, it's going to do damage to the game and the course that's almost like it's going to become irrelevant having an open at St. Andrews and we're only going to be doing it because we have to. I think so. the only challenge that I'd say to what you just said is I don't think the course stacks up to modern technology. I still think it can test the modern standard of players if all things go right. One of the big problems we had this week is the wind never got up. Yeah. Right? So when it's firm and fast and it's windy, it becomes a true test of controlling the flight of your ball. You know, um, people have probably heard it different platforms because it's been spoken a lot about a famous quote from Tiger about controlling your ball in the air to control your ball on the ground. That's what's key. People think it's just the second. You've got to control your ball on the ground. In fact, you've got to control your ball in the air in order to control your ball on the ground. What we got was just firm and fast conditions with no wind. So we got mm. belting it off the tee being an extra 50 yards of run. So I would challenge and say it doesn't hold up to modern technology with mm. that ball and those absurdly large driver um, club faces with incredible forgiveness. Mm. Like that's what it doesn't hold up to because I think on its day it absolutely would test the modern standard of player. Yeah. But the course is, without the wind is acting with a hand tied behind its back mm. because we have technology that's ballooned out to a certain point that is making it increasingly more redundant. And as I said, and I want to be so, so firm on this, given what we've experienced in the last four days, given how good it has been, there is absolutely not a circumstance in which this tournament shouldn't go to that course every five years. So it shouldn't be about the course having to adjust. Roll it back. Yeah. No, I agree. And that's, I did mean that, what you said. I <laughs> just didn't say it very well. In very typical fashion, you have said it far better than than I will. So um, what else did I have? I like some of the... Uh, some of the kit getting around this week was interesting. Like there was a very retro kit from Victor Hovland today. Jordan Spieth looked like he wore yeah. an autograph shirt. Um, like, Is yeah, there was. Quail shirt? Did I? No, I didn't. What was that? It was like a, was like a turtleneck tight, light gray with Callaway written in like weird letters vertically, like not actually spelled. It, it was. Odd. Like, wow. there was, uh, there was, there was like a, a lot of guns. Like a, a word find. Like a word find. Almost like a word find. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like a game of word. Almost like a word. <laughs> it, was, it was odd. Okay. I mean, yeah, there was some typically strange and honestly shit kit going around this week. Adam Scott, Adam Scott wore every colour of khaki that existed. Him and Richie Benno would have been good friends, he, I reckon. He's so committed to that, that corner of the block, and I love it. He like, looks... Good in it though. He strikes me as I reckon 
could be a left field take. But I reckon Scotty's got a wicked sense of humour. Like he comes across as pretty quietly spoken, but I reckon he's like super dry. Yeah. I reckon if you get to know him. Yeah. And I reckon he knows full well that it's like a thing now that people think he only wears like block colours and he's leaning into it. I reckon <laughs> that's, that's absolutely happening. I love it. I love that. Um, Ian Poulter got booed on the first tee. Don't know if you saw that. And, the, and then proceeded to nearly miss the fucking fairway. <laughs> um, that was, yeah, that was, that was frightening. I, thought, I mean, not to go back there, I thought that the, the reception of the live guys was interesting. Um, it seemed to be more, I don't know, like DJ didn't seem to get the same treatment as a guy who was at the pointy end of the tournament, Taylor Gooch, someone else. It seemed to be reserved for the British players, mm. you know. Um, to, to be expected, though. Oh, absolutely. Westwood copped a little bit. Um, fucking Graham McDowell continues to say some really stupid things. What did um, he write on Twitter? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, it was something along the lines of so it was about the pace of play, and it was something along the lines of maybe um, maybe the Open Championship should look at shotgun starts or something similar. And then I saw um, and then I saw a reply to that would have been like, yeah, that would be really good because seeing Tiger walk up five to finish off his career would have been fucking outstanding. <laughs> yeah, and then he tried to like wheel it back and say, yeah. "Geez, no one on this platform gets Joe's." But mate, uh, what yeah. did you think was going to happen? <laughs> like, this is what the money is for. Yeah. All of what you're copying right now is what the cash is for. So yeah. take it. Wipe your tears. Quiet. Wipe your tears with it. So with hundreds. What else you got? What else you got from the that I don't I don't think I have any more. We've done an hour and a half no. here. We've done a lot. I've exhausted my takes. Yeah. And I think to be fair, like we're I'm exhausted. Deep dive the narratives, but I yeah, I come out of this um uh, seeing it as one of one of the best individual performances we've seen by an Australian at a major uh, and absolutely in the conversation for the most significant major victory by an Australian. Absolutely in the conversation. Agreed. Yeah, I, I'd go one step further and say it's one of the best individual performances at a major full stop, you know, particularly today mm. and, what, and what he did on that back nine. I mean, you know, like I say, that that stacks up against any, any major performance in the final round of of any major in in history, which is which is awesome to see. And um, yeah, looks like the celebrations were long and hard into the night, and and so they should have been. And hope he takes a bit of time off now and enjoys it all and um, cleans the claret jug out because all that that beer rem, <laughs> beer remnants at the bottom is going to stink after a you know seven Believe hour the, flight uh, back to Jacksonville. Believe he slept with it, and then obviously they gave him the case to take it home with him today. So yeah. very interesting when that case is opened at the other end. Yeah, big grass. Alrighty, been a pleasure as yes. always. All the way from uh, all the way from France. <laughs> we, who would have thought that the jet set tour continues of the 19th century. We're coming international once again. <laughs> very good, KM. You enjoy France, mate. Thank you for making the effort to dial in and, and dissect Cam's win, man. Merci beaucoup. <laughs>